0: Welcome to the Tune Under podcast, the Southern Hemisphere's original Newcastle United dedicated podcast. We're fully into the season now, Thick games are coming thick and fast, we are here to review the game against Wolves, which was last night, 11 o'clock Australia time. Uh, I've got Bobby in Ballarat, how are you doing Bobby?
1: Good Jack. Uh, boyed by the, the fellas' second half of the last night's game, yeah it was good.
0: Yeah, it was better than the first half, but more importantly, the Greek has returned. Dimmy's back. Hey. How you doing, Dimmy? Howdy, howdy. How you doing?
2: Well, better, better since Maxi's last minute or almost last minute equaliser. And I was a lot better this time last week, sitting on a beach, listening to you guys <laughs> to the pod. <laughs> now I'm sitting in my in my front room, freezing my knackers off uh jackets and heaters full blast so not too happy about my tan going in a a couple of days but um i'll have to live it up with short sleeves as much as i can
0: so people who people who follow us and watch us will have probably seen dimmy on the one of the premier league productions uh, shows which was really good so just before we get into the wolves game and start talking about the football you went to st james's park so from your honeymoon in greece so, firstly, it's pretty good to see that you are still married. I think, aren't you? So, your your wife's uh, let you get oh, rid of that one. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> no, That's good it, to see. It, yeah. It worked. It worked out well. The, the timing was good because when I left Greece, my in-laws had arrived, sort of in the same area where we were. So, my missus just hung out with them. So she wasn't as if she was alone, and I've left her stranded on on a honeymoon. I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that. I'm not that sort of bloke. But it just worked out the stars, the stars aligned. <laughs> and I thought, you can have fun with your cousins. I'll uh, make a two-day jaunt to Newcastle and uh, and see the football. So, yeah, it was a, an amazing, amazing couple of days.
1: You say and you're not that type he... of person, Demi, but well, you didn't plan that, obviously. So you were just going no matter what, though.
2: Well, I didn't really, yeah. So <laughs> everyone was saying, oh, how, how, how good Katie is for letting me go. I didn't really give her a choice. I said, look, I'm going. <laughs> it's... It, Let's work around the fact that I'm going. And I had, I had been saying this to her since we've been planning the trip. I said, look, if I can get tickets to a Newcastle game, um, I'm going. I don't care where we're going to be in Greece. I'll find somehow a way to get to, to Newcastle. And luckily, where I was in Greece, there was a direct flight to Newcastle. So it was easy. And the way back was a bit trickier, but, but that's okay. We, we won and it's all good.
0: So tell us a couple of the things that really stick out for you then, because obviously that's the first time you've been to St. James's Park. You've been following Newcastle for probably 15 plus years now, haven't you? So probably 20 years. So what yeah. what, what What are the kind of things that really stick in your mind from that trip? A couple of things that you really, that you'll remember.
2: The first thing is that the Geordies get on the drink very early, which is, which is good because I was very keen on the Saturday morning to, to get amongst it and and just soak up the atmosphere, and I thought, oh, it's nine o'clock, nine thirty. I just had my Greg's pie. I thought, I wonder if there's anything open, but <laughs> lo and behold, the strawberry was open, and uh, I could have my first my first pint at about ten. That was good, and uh, that just kicked off the day. But no, nah, it was it's a magical place. I mean, the the stadium, the location of the stadium's prime time in in, in the city town. The sheer the sheer size of it and this it blew my mind the the with the feeling when i got the I first got when i walked towards the stadium and i saw the sir bobby statue i saw the Shearer statue it was yeah it was indescribable
0: and then the match itself like uh, cuz obviously i've got friends that go to the match all the time and there's been a couple of these days recently the arsenal game was one of them as well and the forest game was one where just the whole town is just up for it and the match itself was good as well wasn't it you must have been getting a bit jittery though towards the middle of the second half, when we hadn't scored yet.
2: <laughs> yeah, it, it was looking like it might be one of those days where we're just dominating, dominating, can't score, and they're going to ask their way to a set piece or Lingard or or one of their new signings is going to score. But we we did play well. We dominated the game from pretty much from from the first minute, and even the guys around Romelu who I was talking to, they they were sort of pretty confident as well. We we all had the same opinion where we just needed that one goal and that would sort of release the shackles. Obviously, we didn't expect it to come by a shot, but as soon as the first goal came in, I think we all just took a big deep breath and thought, yeah, this is uh, this is more like it.
0: Well, the next time you go to England for a match will be the FA Cup final this season. We've already talked about that. None of the wives know yet, so we'll probably all, all be divorced after that, but <laughs> it's happening. <laughs> 100% we're there. <laughs> All right. All right. We will have a very, very quick break and we'll get right back to talk about the World's game. All right. So like I said before, this was a 11 o'clock Sunday night kickoff for us. There seems to be a couple of them coming up in the next few weeks. Um, Newcastle remain unbeaten in the league this season after four games so we've got one win and three draws now and it was the second away draw on the bounce for us uh, after the Brighton game first up it was a very different game to the Brighton game it's probably no surprise that we scored a goal in this game because Newcastle have scored exactly one goal in each of the last ten matches now against Wolves home and away (laughs) so we always score one goal (laughs) so just quickly Bobby Happy with happy with the point overall. Think it was a think it was a good point. Think should have been more. What what do you think?
1: Um, if you if you gave me a point before the game, I would have taken it. And I thought uh, these away games against look, you think rivals for our position in the top top ten, at least Wolves. Um, you take a draw away from home, but. I think on the balance of play, we deserve the three points, and um, we're an Elliot Anderson header away from from claiming that. So, you know, like uh, we'll we'll talk more about the first half and the differing opinions of what we thought of it. But um, definitely, the second half we were both the far superior team. And um, Eddie, I think the biggest thing for me was our fitness. We we mm-hmm. could run out another ninety minutes, I reckon, but um, Wolves are dead in the ass. So. It's great to see, and I think, you know, we're a different team now, aren't we?
0: Yeah, and we were the we were the team that seemed to if it had gone on for another five, ten minutes, we probably would have won the game, like you said, because we yeah. were in the ascendancy pretty much for the whole second half. Dimmy, happy with the point? Happy just to stay unbeaten? What's your thoughts?
2: Happy with the point. I think when we saw the teams before the game and we saw that the new signing and Bruno wasn't in the squad, we probably thought Makes it a bit tricky. Out a point, you'd probably take it, but as as the game went on, Wolves for me didn't offer too much, and I thought definitely if we could only get that first goal a little bit earlier, I thought for sure we'd be able to get a get a second. And we still, even though we only scored in the ninetieth minute, we still probably had two or three chances in the last three minutes of injury time to to win it, but it wasn't to be. But I think overall, you take a point. You're still unbeaten. Wolves have haven't won a game so they were desperate for a win as well so you got to take all that into consideration so all in all we'll we'll take a point and keep our unbeaten run going
0: yeah i think a point in away games is always in the premier league it's always a decent return um even though yeah we could have we could have maybe should have won this game but you talked about the lineup there so let's just have a quick talk about the lineup um, Yeah, the big news was that <laughs> it started going around on Twitter in the morning, or it was the, d- the day before. I think that Bruno was injured, and no one seemed to know where this had come from. And it was because he hadn't tweeted uh like a looking forward to the match kind of thing. So yeah, that's uh, people kind of got all agitated about that, and it didn't seem to be based on anything. But maybe a whisper must have somehow got out from somewhere that he was going to be going to be out of the game. There was talk that he'd pulled his groin off. He'd done something in the Tranmere game anyway, even though he only played seven minutes. You have to think that it must have been in that game, because or in training after that, because otherwise he wouldn't have been risked in that game. Um. So, he's, he is the, the talisman really now, so the, the team looks a lot weaker without him in it. Sean Longstaff came in uh, and took his place and joined Willock and Joe Linton in midfield. And then Callum Wilson of course, is injured again as well. So Chris Wood was the only option up front because Isak wasn't. Uh, he was registered, but he didn't have a work permit or something, which apparently was to do with Brexit or something. So
1: I was gonna say, we That's were Brexit,
0: yeah. So we were we were pretty disappointed, really. So there, there we go without two key players, <laughs> plus Shelby, who's a long term injury. Um and plus Wilson and Isaac. So really, there's kind of four players that could have started the game that didn't start the game. So we are kind of significantly weakened. But Dimi, any kind of surprises, anything else about that team that you thought was worth bringing up or how worried were you about Bruno not playing?
2: I was worried that Bruno wasn't playing. I was more disappointed, to be honest, that Isaac or Isak wasn't in the squad. I thought we needed another attacking option off the bench I thought Wood could do a job for an hour 70 minutes but I thought if he does the job or if he can't score or he doesn't get the job done I think we needed that bit of extra off the bench so I was a bit disappointed he wasn't in the squad in terms of the rest of the lineup I mean it sort of picks itself at this stage there's not too many options on the bench we'll talk about Anderson in a minute but there's not too many options on the bench you'd say in the midfield especially that we can we can turn to Dan Byrne hasn't done anything wrong, so you can't really say to to drop him, even though probably target now that he's mm. got the last twenty odd minutes yesterday and he had a, a 45 minutes against Trammy, you probably think he's ready to go for a start. But but yeah, with with the injury it just probably picks itself at this stage.
1: Mm. Bobby. Yeah, I think seeing the lineup, obviously, when you're missing, well, Callum Wilson and Bruno, it it, it takes a lot out of the lineup. Um And, you know, the disappointment with Isaac not uh, getting a start or uh, even on the bench. So, um, yeah, it is what it is. Um, The other thing was I thought maybe Target was right to start at left back, but um, I think we looked a lot better when he did come on Mm. um, into that position. So other than that, yeah, it sort of picks itself because there's not much depth to a squad at the moment.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that uh, Target has been... Well, he was injured. He had a dead leg for a few weeks, but Burn is kind of slotted in at left-back. I thought Burn against Brighton was fantastic at left-back. Yeah. Uh, but he's definitely like not sort of a natural left-back, although he did play there for Brighton as well. So it's good to have that. The The defence is the one area where, you know, you look at the bench and there's defenders on there as well. It's probably the one area where we are strongest. So they've decided... It's, Funny saying that after the way Newcastle have been for the last four years, really, where we did sign a centre back for three or four years. and um, to have that strength and depth is really good now. Um, the other thing was that Debravka wasn't on the bench, there's a lot of talk that he's gonna go to Man United. Um, although I don't know, we we talked about this on the podcast the other day. There doesn't seem to be a lot of sense in letting him go like on loan with an option for them to buy. If we're going to, if we're going to, if he's going to go, try and sell him um, Mm -hmm. or get a substantial loan fee at least, you know. Um, But that's the fact he wasn't on the bench suggests there's definitely something in that and there's talk that he definitely wants to go. Um, uh, But this was the kind of, we've had five games, I think it's going to be in 13 days. So that's a lot of football as well. And this is, there's going to be two more Premier League games this week. So the you know the effort they're putting against Man City and then the real difficult game that they had against Tranmere, um, players like Willock who who started every game um, is going to going to be feeling it you know. So we've got a really hard game coming up which we're going to be talking about the Liverpool game. But yeah, with with the squad at the moment, I think we're going to talk as well about a couple of signings that we're we're hoping that we're going to make or that some moves we might make in the last few days of the transfer window. But there's definitely like a strength and depth issue, which we're probably going to have for this season until we can start really filling out the squad with better quality. But let's have a look at the quick look at the Wolves lineup as with Portugal lineup as well. Uh, they, <laughs> they actually had Jimenez back, so they, they didn't have quite as many Portuguese players as last time. But anything to kind of pick out from here, Bobby, anything to be sort of concerned about? On paper, they look like a good team, don't they?
1: Just want to talk about the graphics. It looks like a men's magazine or something like, you know. <laughs> hell. Um, yeah, look, you know, they got good names. I think we've spoken about this. Dimmy mentioned like very good individual players, like um, you know, Nunez, Neves, um, Jimenez, Nito, you yeah, quality, you know, Collins from Burnley and Saar, the goalkeeper. They're just really, really good players. So you never know, but yeah, they're not playing to their potential for whatever reason, and that, that was, you know, quite evident in the game. But you look at the team on paper, and you think oh, there's a lot of handy players in that in that squad.
0: Dimmy, anything to pick out there?
1: It's a strong squad on
2: paper. If the game was played on paper, you line that line up against ours, we probably wouldn't have a shot. To be honest, they're all most of them Portuguese internationals or former Portuguese internationals. So definitely on paper, a good squad, but but yeah that doesn't don't seem to be clicking at the moment and there seems to be a few few issues at Wolves cuz
1: we got a manager
0: yeah well we're going to we'll talk about the sort of the tactics they employed uh, throughout the game but the first half started and it kind of settled into a pattern fairly early of Newcastle kind of having most of the ball but not kind of creating many clear-cut chances Although, to begin, I mean, we had probably the first chance with... Uh, we should have had a penalty, basically, shouldn't we? Yeah. Uh, my my stream went a bit dodgy at this point, so I kind of missed it and I had to watch it back later. But basically, Longstaff had his shirt pulled in the box, on the edge of the box, and then the ball went through to Willock, who missed the chance. But, Dimi, penalty all day, that, not it?
2: I mean, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. they the reasoning that, that Shira was saying at the halftime show that the, the referees were saying was there wasn't sustained holding. I mean, I mean if if we're going to be serious, not sustained holding. So if you try to two foot somebody, but then you quickly pull your foot away, is not a not a sustained tackle. I mean, if you punch <laughs> someone in the head, but you're only half punch him, is that a sustained punch? I mean, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, the fact that Willick had the chance straight after, I, I reckon that the referee saw the pull saw that Willick had the chance, probably in his head, that's an advantage, let it go. Newcastle had their chance to score, let's ignore it. But if the ball, potentially if the ball didn't go to Willick and it was just cleared away, maybe that would have been more of a reason to look at it. But, I mean, it's clear as day, his shirt's almost off his back. So unless we want players to roll around like a clown, like certain players at the Wolves' Wolves side do, then um, the referees maybe won't give it.
0: Yeah, and it did stop him from getting the freedom, free movement as well to get a shot away or to, you know, the ball did squirm through to Willock. But it's, you know there was an incident in the Man City game as well where we probably should have had a penalty. Like, you know, you can talk about decisions you've had from refs and we've probably maybe benefited as well. We'll talk about one of the decisions later in the game as well. But um, Bobby, that it was a penalty. Was it a penalty for you?
1: Did you say that your stream cut out? Yeah. At that, at point? that point? Yeah, so so did VARs, to be honest. Um, <laughs> that That's the only explanation I can I can come up with because it's a clear as day. We, we talked about it in the Man City game about being a foul in the box is still a foul and still a penalty, um, and so be it that as well. So getting used to this, but um, yeah, you move on. Willock should have put away his chance, though, more to the point. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, he... It's no, it's no excuse for him missing. He was basically about eight yards out, and he he just put it wide. So, um, and then after that, Wolves sort of got into it a little bit. They had a couple of half chances. There was a shot just over the bar and a header from Nunez, and then Neves, more or less from nowhere, scored a screamer. And he he can do that. He's shown, yeah, he's shown previously that he can do that. Um, it was a good goal. Could it have been defended better? Any better, Bobby?
1: I think this is like Willick um, went out and he closed down. Like he's unlucky. It went through his legs and the gap in his legs was, you know, not huge. So mm. I don't think you could get any luckier with the strike, to be honest. But you just like to see a little bit more urgency from Willick there um, to close down the space a bit bit quicker. But in saying that, he got there, you know, like I don't know how it went through his legs. I've looked at the replay. Mate, you're not fitting much between his legs there except for the ball. So... Um Yeah, it was a good strike, but very lucky and not deserved. Although I did think we weren't great in the first half. I don't know if I mm. used use the word poor or below average in the first half, but I didn't think we were, we were fantastic. But I still reckon we were better than Wolves, which is saying a lot about Wolves, I think.
0: Well, we had this we had this debate in the in the group chat about whether we were playing. The word was poor, so there was a big argument of what that word meant, but. <laughs> it, the halftime stats: we had sixty-five percent possession, which is like pretty unheard of for Newcastle in an away game. And we'd had nine shots at uh, Wolves' five, I think it was. We'd had five corners to their one, uh, and we'd had almost double the amount of passes. So the kind of the kind of conversation we were having was: were we playing badly, or was were Wolves playing badly, or what more could we have been doing? Eddie Howe said that he didn't think we were playing particularly great in the first half. And he said we didn't have the normal rhythm, which is probably fair enough. But, Dimi, I yeah. mean, you were kind of in the camp that it wasn't necessarily that we were playing badly because um, we were having the possession and we were trying to make things happen. But we lack that quality in the final third, don't we? And I think Longstaff and probably Willock were culprits in the first half of just not having that final ball or not making the right decision. Dimmy?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I I did take umbrage with a certain member of this podcast using the word "poor" in in the chat, so I won't call him out, but he knows who he is. But uh, but no, it, I just thought we I thought we controlled the game. To be honest, I just thought the last pass or the last decision was was poor. There was a couple of times that Maxi was on and Longstaff just completely butchered a two three yard pass that would have put Maxi either one on one or put him into a great spot to to cross or, or cut back there was just moments like that that I thought we were we were lacking in that final bit of quality we didn't have in the, in the front third. But, but yeah, like Bobby said, Wolves, I thought didn't offer much besides that sensational strike. That was, it was not much from, from our end.
0: Mm. I think yeah. Wolves probably just about shaded the chances in the first half and then they got that brilliant goal. But ha- I've not seen a team before have so many tall players and then like We don't seem to quite yet have the grasp of how to use those players from corners. Like, we're doing short corners quite a lot, which is a bit strange. And then the rest of the time, like, we saw Trippier in midweek against Tramir put one right onto Wood's head. Fair enough, it's against a lower league opposition. But when you've got, like, you've got Burn in there and you've got Botman and you've got Chris Wood and we're going to have Isak soon as well, and Trippier can deliver quality crosses in. So I wonder if, I don't know, if we actually got a set piece coach or is that something that we should be looking at getting in place, um, Bobby? Because we're, we're definitely not making the, the most of these opportunities from corners, are we? We ended up with 13 corners in this game.
1: Yeah. No, nah, it, it's been this bit of a, the story for us. Every time we did a short corner, I was just ropeable. I was, you know, banging my fist on the couch. I was like, what is going on? Like, you can see all these tall players in the box and you know, we're just wasting it. Um, I think Tindall's the set coach, um, okay. set piece coach from from stuff I've read. But, um, yeah, he's got to get away from the tanning beds and get back on the park and, um, you know, implement these strategies because you've got six foot six, six foot four um, guys in there and Wolves were pretty small um, against us and we just couldn't land it on their head. So I think set pieces can become a weapon for us. we've got Mm -hmm. to be able to utilise and even in general play, having Maxi and um, Almiron on either side, on their opposite side doesn't, you know, help as well because they can't cross the ball with their opposite foot so um, we we miss our chances and that's why Wood is being starved a little bit. Um, He's used to a system where, you know, Burnley whipped the ball in at every opportunity to his head and he will eventually get one. We haven't given him that opportunity and whilst I think he was below average, um, I won't mm. use the word poor, um, <laughs> below average, and I didn't see the use for him in the way we were playing. I think that was my main gripe, because what's the point of having him if you're not going to put the balls in the box anyway? And as soon as he came off, we just looked a bit more flawed.
0: Yeah, so we got in at the second half and he was replaced, but... Do your kind of thoughts on Chris Wood? Because there's been a load of fucking nonsense going on social media where there was like a, a thing going around about all of our signings and then it a good signings and it had like blocked Chris Wood out. And it's yeah, again, it's the it. kind of it's the kind of thing though where it's like one person says something and then loads of other people jump on it. And then it gives this impression that there's more people that are actually criticizing him or, you know, being disrespectful because lots of people are defending it. But it kind of gets it out there and Twitter can be a bit of a uh, Sess pool at times, as we know. But your thoughts Dimmi, on that, Dimmy, and sort of Chris Wood's uh, role in the, the squad and the team?
2: Yeah, I think Bobby put it well. I just don't think he suits the way we play. When you've got wingers who don't cross or aren't great crosses of the ball, it it doesn't lend itself to what Wood's greatest strength is, which is aerial. Like we saw against Tranmere, he absolutely lashed that header in from mm. the set piece and it's no fault of woods i mean we needed him last year we were desperate for a striker wilson had just gone down he did a job he was i think a really good service serviceman up front for us he may not have got the goals that we we thought but he he did a job when he led the line i think the where the trouble is happening on social media and, and the criticism is the price tag i think mm-hmm. when you spend 25 million on a striker i think the expectation is that he's going to deliver goals and at least look like a goal threat and at the moment, even though I do like Chris Wood, he doesn't look like he's going to score a goal. It doesn't. He doesn't have that vibe about him where he's his looks dangerous and he's, he's going to create something. It's it's sort of a bit a bit placid with him. So I think that's through no fault of his own. But I think with the price tag and mm. with the expectation of people thinking twenty five million goals are guaranteed, it's that's where the criticisms coming from. I think.
0: Mm. And his his goal-scoring record in the Premier League is not that far away from Callum Wilson's, actually, in terms of the numbers. But, of course, he was playing for Burnley for most of that time, who had two out-and-out wingers, and he had another strike partner. So the game was tailored around him. So I think he he is kind of the the current Daryl Murphy kind of player, isn't he? Daryl Murphy was a lot Mm. cheaper, but... Came in when we needed, and he did it. He did a good job, and he'll be part of the squad this season, potentially next season as well. He's good to have as like a uh, Andy Carroll style option to kick it forward when you need him. But he's he's going to fall down the pecking order now with Isak as well. So um, the only
1: issue, he, yeah. sorry, Jack, the only issue with that is how his contract for? Because he's our second highest mm-hmm. paid player. Three. Yeah, he's the second highest paid. player. He's the second highest paid player. Yeah, in wages. So, um, obviously, we needed to entice him to come over from Burnley and, and, um, you know, who could blame him? You know, you've got a bigger club who's going to pay you double the money that you're on um, to come across. But, um, yeah, it's going to be hard to release him or get rid of him, like we've seen with all our players at the moment um, because Mm. of that contract. So, I I think he's already third choice striker. Mm. Um, Yeah, I don't see where it goes for him. Other than being up. and you hope that Isak isn't the same. Well, he hasn't shown, but same as Wilson, where he's on his injury prone.
0: Mm. And at least we know with Chris Wood, he's not going to kick up a fuss, especially if he's yeah. second highest paid player. Good player. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna be he's gonna be happy sitting there and playing here and there. So that's good as well. So what got into the second half, and it was a kind of similar pattern where we were. We were actually dominating a bit more. I think there was a couple of spells in the second half where we really were on top. We had more more corners again, and Wolves. We talked a little bit about the tactics earlier, but they didn't even try and get out the half, did they? I I was thinking after about sixty minutes, they actually deserve to concede goals here just because of their tactics. They're so negative that they they weren't interested in attacking or trying to get a second goal. Um. Wood came off for Fraser on about 64 minutes and that made a big difference um, because Maxi went up front. Fraser's a pain in the backside for defenders. He's quick and he darts around. Um, So we were still on top without kind of creating any really good opportunities. We just had lots of corners still, which we couldn't capitalize on. And then with 10 minutes to go, Wolves, uh, Wolves scored again. Uh, Jimenez, Jimenez went away and he did his he did his celebration with his new headband where he put his he put his eye uh, his eye mask on and his eye, eye patch and got that stupid thing out of the back of the goal pretend to be a pirate but why did he do that because it was obvious it was going to go back to VAR and it was quite obvious it was a foul as well <laughs> but that, that that call was the right call Dimi, for to call oh. a foul there I can't believe the referee didn't see that to begin with <laughs>
2: I was losing my shit. I mean, luckily for me, my <laughs> missus was up and she wasn't asleep because I was losing. I'm like, what the hell? How's the referee just let this play go on? And I'm thinking, what are you doing, human, as you absolute pork chop? You can see there was a foul. Why are you celebrating? Why are you getting your eye patch out? You're just going to look like a clown. And he did. And then the, the thing that topped it off was, I think it was the same two musketeers. I think it was Nevers and and Neto, they were both looking at the referee saying, how can you disallow this goal? What What are you doing? What are you doing? I mean, he shoved him clearly in the back, sent him flying. But for these guys, that's no foul. But when we uh, brush up against their leg, they were rolling around like they just, uh, just committed, just had a car accident.
0: Do you think, Bobby, do you think there's anything in the idea that referees, because of VAR, they're kind of letting things go a little bit like that. Even though he thinks it probably is a foul, do you think, he thinks that he knows it's going to get pulled back. So, like, he tries to let the game flow and then knowing yeah. that he's got a fallback. If, like, if if VAR didn't exist, would he have just given that as a foul? Because it was obviously a foul, wasn't it?
1: I think so. And I think it's a safety net for refs now. They don't want to make that critical decision to stop the game. But they know mm-hmm. that, oh, well, if it continues and they score or something happens and I can just go back and blame it on VAR and I can re-look the video and stuff like that, which, look... You want the refs to make the decision that in real time, but I get it. If it's if it's fifty fifty, but that wasn't fifty fifty. That was as mm. clear as anything, and I I didn't even see the celebration from um, that wanker because I was losing it, and I just said, "This ref is crooked." I said that that I I couldn't believe it. I just walked up and just lost the plot. So yeah, I think I think you're right. I think the safety net probably has the refs in the back of their mind going, ah. Oh, I'll let it flow, and I'll, I might bring it back. But um, yeah, that was clear as day, and I don't understand how he didn't call it.
0: Well, we got the right decision in the end, so that was good because I think that gave us a little bit of a and a little bit of a boost. So actually, one one other thing about that goal, which was really good to see, was Maxi was absolutely killing himself covering, to get yeah. back. He was sprinting back, and he made up a lot of ground. He couldn't get there to stop the goal going in, but he was the closest man to him and us at the end. And that was maybe indicative of his uh, his form of the last two games, where he's really putting the work in. His body language was much better, um, so that was good to see. But on a couple of minutes after that, we brought Anderson and Murphy on, and that was really good. Like we we've talked about that we haven't maybe got any any game changes on the bench, and the bench we didn't have any strikers, and the bench did look a bit bare, but. Anderson has been on the bench for the whole Premier League season so far. He started in the cup game midweek and he was probably the best player for us apart from mm. Trippier when he came on. So that gave us a little bit of a boost and then I, I don't know about you but I just felt like when we were never out of the game. I I didn't I didn't feel despair like there's no way we're going to score here. We knew there was going to be a lot of a lot of injury time as well. Um and then the the ball goes forward and the, the Wolves defender. I've seen a couple of Wolves fans on Twitter say, What was he doing? But it was it was Huang who scored those two goals against us last season. But he was under a bit of pressure from Murphy and he just kind of looped it up. But there's still there's no there's no accounting for that finish. That was absolutely spectacular. How we managed to keep that down and put it into the bottom corner. Bobby, what a goal that was
1: sensational, one of the goals of the year already. And I think it'll be at the end of the season. We'll still be talking about it because he hit it flush. You can't hit it any better than that. Um Sar's a quality keeper and he didn't even know what to do. He was, you know, stood still. So, yeah, quality finish. And Max is in top form, which is good to see. And, uh yeah, I think that form, if he wasn't in form, he wouldn't have hit it. But mm-hmm. I thought he, he just went, you know what, I'm going to put my foot through it. And he put his foot through it.
0: Yeah, sign of a man in form, isn't it, Dimmy that where does that where does that goal rank in our goals so far this season? Because we've had some good ones.
2: Mm. It's got to be the bigger yeah, them right. so far. I think there's there's been some absolute quality goals. I mean, you've got shares that I saw live, which was an absolute thunderbusted. There was Trippier's free kick, even Wilson's flick against against Forest was a great goal. I mean. When he's lining up to to have hit that ball, I'm thinking to myself, what are you doing? The ball is coming from a great height. You're going (laughs) to either do your hamstring, you're going to trip over. It's going to be some sort of Joel Linton moment where he's going to kick into himself. But fair play to Maxi. He absolutely flushed it. And and like Bobby said, the keeper had no chance. He didn't even move.
0: Yeah. And there was only, from that point on, it felt like there was only going to be going to be one winner in the game. So... We didn't. We couldn't quite do it. Anderson hit the bar. He's so close. That would have been absolute fairy tale stuff. But ninety sixth minute, scenes would have
2: been scenes.
0: The away and then the free been... kick. The free kick, yeah. at the end as well. And then the free kick at the end, which Anderson won, right on the edge of the box. There's some some um, suggestion here that Trippier didn't take that because he he felt his hamstring. He had felt his hamstring yeah. when he was taking a corner earlier. So and it was also maybe the wrong side for him but when you've scored 3 out of 4 direct free kicks like he has you would you would think he would still have it uh, yeah, and Shah Shaw put it just wide and that was the game I think it was a... I, I was I was pleased with the point I think it was a good it was it's good, a good sign that we can come back uh, and we can we can get the point we definitely deserved it but I'm just going to have a little play of a little interview that was done with Ruben Neves, just before, I, I'm going to play this and then I'm going to show the full-time stats and let's just see what this guy's been smoking. Listen to this.
2: It was a very physical game, what was, wasn't it? What was it like being out there in the middle of it?
3: Well, it's Premier League. Uh, every game is like that, of course. Uh, they, they, um, their style of play is like that, just long balls and second balls. Um, They're not a team that wants to have the possession too much. Uh, we knew that. We prepared really well for that. And then at the end it's, it's details. Maybe a detail um, when Neto almost broke his leg and the ref uh, didn't went to the, to the screen. Uh, that's, a, that's one detail. Another detail is we score a second goal and the ref went to the screen. Another detail. A lot of meetings before the season starts, every time. But then when you see uh, our player almost breaking the leg on that tackle and the ref don't go to the screen, we ask why, why we do so, so many meetings. Uh, because everyone sees on, on the TV, uh, I already watched the images and it's unbelievable. Almost broke his leg, foot on the floor, a tackle on his chin. Um, really, really dangerous. And they keep playing with 11 men. until the end. That's one of the details that, that killed us today.
0: Right, so there's a little bit to get into there. But let's, have a, let's first talk about, he was mainly talking about the Shah tackle, which we, we didn't talk about <sighs> earlier. So this was just after halftime and Shah stepped he, he gave the ball away and then he kind of fouled it was Neto and then it's one of them where if you look at the freeze frame picture of it from a certain angle it looks horrendous but then if you look at it in real time it just looks like a mistimed tackle um what did we what did we think about before we get into the rest of the absolute Basically, shit that he was talking there. Let's. What, what did we think about that? do we think he had a point there with that with that foul? Because it went to VAR, but then the VAR didn't send the ref to have a look at it. Bobby,
1: no, like uh, the, go watch a local league every Sunday, and there's tackles like that every every you know two minutes. Like it, he he lost the ball. He didn't lose the ball. The ball he kicked it, they came back to him, yeah. and he went to to put his foot on the ball and Nito got there first. That was it. That, that's His studs weren't really raised up. His foot wasn't really raised up. He didn't go to break his leg. He went to put his foot on the ball and Nito's foot got there where the ball exactly was just yeah. before him. So it's, it's a yellow. It's a yellow with, you know, look, be careful. And knowing Shah, you know, he, he's a bit like that. He, he can, he's a bit of... Um, What's the word without using the word? Um, yeah, he's got a bit of that in him where he can put his foot through someone. Um, but that one for me, like, there's no way that's a red card, not even slightly. Demi?
2: Yeah, I agree with Bobby. It's just a missed time tackle. I mean, if you if you slow anything down, anything's going to look dangerous in throughout a game. You can slow everything down. Everything looks worse in slow mo, but. Watching at normal speed, he's just mistimed it. He's playing the ball. If you look at his eyes, even on the slow-mo, if you watch his eyes, he's on the ball, expected to control it, and, and Neto was just faster to get there first. So I don't know what they're smoking, thinking that was a, a leg-breaking, horrendous tackle, but uh, obviously they're just coming up with excuses because they they blew the lead.
0: I think it was one of those that if the ref had given a red card, I don't think Virial would have overturned it because he, it was a mistimed tackle and he did catch him. But by the same token, you couldn't have you couldn't have overturned that yellow card and said that to red because it was like you said, you can freeze frame anything and make it make it look bad. Um, and then this is a couple of days after Carl Darlow has been on the end of a potentially mm. like breaking tackle as well. I know it was in a different competition against a different team, but that was so that seemed to be the main thing that Ruben. Was complaining about there, but then he was talking about details, right? So let's just have a look at some of the details about our passing statistics. Apparently, we're a long, we're a long ball team who were just looking for the second balls. Let's just look at the stats from the game. Well, you can see quite clearly there. We had sixty-four percent possession uh, to their thirty-six percent. I know that we'd played, I think fifty-four long balls. It was and Wolves had played sixty-one long balls. And Ruben Neves had played more long balls than anyone else on the pitch,
1: <laughs> I mean, including I, the keepers.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know if he got like a knock on the head or something, in like to be saying that in the game, but
1: that was just ridiculous. you know, what's really scary, Jack? <laughs> you know, what's really scary that they prepared for us like we're a long ball team. What <laughs> you know, you can see why they haven't won a game that they, they need. I think they're serious, watching, yeah, uh, I think they're
2: watching last year's games, maybe, maybe they're watching, uh. <laughs> Two years old. Two years ago, Vision with Stevie Bruce. We had Andy Carroll up front, and we we're just hoofing it to to Carroll up front with um with Wilson off it, off him. But um,
1: yeah, the manager ridiculous. went up to Eddie Howe and said, "Oh, Steve, you've lost some weight um, <laughs> for the game." I reckon, Jesus, like that's you look jacked, Yeah, you said, look Jack,
2: Steve. What's going on?
1: <laughs> just when he said we've been preparing for them, and I just went, "You're obviously not studying, or well, what's going on? Like, there's something breaking down at Wolves." At the moment, because that's a deplorable comment. And um, yeah, no idea.
0: I don't know. I don't know what's going on. And Large came out as well and said some silly things about how they deserved a win and that they were controlling the game, which, you know, anyone could see that 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 wasn't the case. You look at the stats, we've already talked about the possession. 21 shots were had, which is, Mm -hmm. I saw that that's only the third time since 2017, I think, that we've had that many shots in a an away game over twenty shots, but then only six on target, which kind of goes back to the point about the the quality in the final third, which would have, would be remedied if Wilson was there and hopefully with Isak as well, or maybe both of them. Thirteen corners again. We talked about the corners and the the to to make most of that. But it's the I know that we've we've talked a little bit about possession stats, and there was games last season, Jimmy. We, we talked about the Brighton game where the possession stats were the other way. And we we very rarely got possession, uh, much possession in games last season, but we seem to have transformed over the course of a preseason into a, a team that is is having more possession and is kind of dominating the ball in these games, even with two of our first-choice central midfielders out. Would you say that, Demi, that we're now a possession team or is this just an approach for this game? What do you think?
2: No, I think definitely that's the way Eddie wants to play and wants his team to play. That you can see with Botman's fantastic on the ball. Obviously, Trippier, we know how good he is on the ball. Shah's comfortable on the ball. Dan Byrne, to an extent, decent target as well. So when you've got the back line who are so comfortable on the ball and they're not hoofing it like my mate Jamal and Kieran Clark were last season, it, it really changes the way you play. And you can see even when we lose the ball, we're pressing, we're not just sitting back and sitting deep, so all that combined has changed the way we play. And I think, even even though even though we've had sixty four percent of the ball, it wasn't just crap possession in the middle or passing from Botman to to share. A lot of it was progressive. Obviously, we didn't have that quality in the final third, but a lot of it was progressive passing in the in the front third.
0: Hmm. Bobby, what do you think? Do you think this is the way that we're going to be going forward, or do you think? Do you think we need more quality to be able to make the most, make more of this possession
1: in the attacking third? It would be nice. I think. I think from everything has been evident this season that if we did have a, a, you know, three really quality attackers going forward, people that could finish in the box, we'd be we scoring more goals. That's for certain. So. I think this is the way we're going to play. I think we spoke about it, Jack, on one of our podcasts last year. I think it was against Norwich about the possession. And um, mm. I think it was similar to those stats. And we said, I wonder if that's what Eddie Howe wants to do. And I think it is. So, yeah, Eddie's a master. We we, we both, or we, I think we all really mm. love him. So um, I think that's the way he wants to play, even against Man City. We, periods, we uh, mm. absolutely bossed the ball. So against yes, England's best team. So if we could do it against uh, man city and we're doing it against wolves away who are a top 10 team um why not, why not what
0: did you um, what did you think about kind of a man of the match for the game then it was i was thinking about this and i thought it was quite difficult to think of somebody who was the outstanding player of the game uh, for newcastle and yeah. um, i've probably I've probably just gone with Maxi in the end because I think he did back up his performance against Man City to an extent. It was a different game. He had less space, but he still gave gave them trouble and then he scored one of the best goals we'll we'll see all season. Anything anything different to that, Dimi? Who did you think stood out as man of the match?
2: Yeah, I think you got to give it to Maxi just just for that wonder goal alone. I think he very nearly became the ultimate hero. There was a breakaway at the end where Cher... Thought he was a, an attacker again, just like he did against Brentford when we put, <laughs> we scored the second goal, yeah. put a terrific ball to Maxi, and I think Maxi was just out of juice. I think if he went a little bit further inside the box, he he might have had a chance to score. He just lashed it with any F, any effort he had left. But I think he was he was the the danger man and, and our and our talisman yesterday. So I think especially with that stunning volley, you have got to give it to him,
1: Bobby. Uh, I'm going to give it to Botman. I thought he yeah. was. Um... Huge for us. He started most of the attacks from the defence. His passing is just unbelievable. He's pinning balls around and through gaps and, and and got us started on these attacks. So um, I thought Maxi was probably up there as well. You know, he scored the goals. So you probably have to give it to him. But I'll, I just wanted to mention Botman. I thought he was fantastic.
0: I'm pleased you mentioned Botman because there was one of these weird Twitter things again about him that I saw today where... A couple of people have been saying that they haven't been that impressed by him, or that he hasn't really been doing oh, too much God. for them. And it's like, it's like again, it's things one of it's those things two. where someone's someone says something and everyone jumps on it. But he's kind of just seamlessly slotted into the premier Premier League defense, and um, he doesn't look out of place at all. Uh, he's obviously got quality, the quality on the ball as well, and you can see why they've gone big on a 22-year-old uh, and why they think he's going to be, you know, the bedrock of the team hopefully for many years to come. Um people I think people just underestimate sometimes how hard it is to come into the Premier League, especially if you're used to playing in the Dutch league or the French league where the, the stand is not as good. So yeah. to be able to come in and play as he has. And you know, it's his third, second or third game was against Haaland, you know? It's like he's the best striker in the world. So um I, I don't think anyone can knock what Botman's done so far and I think he's probably going to be a mainstay of the team now, unless he's yeah. rotated for fitness reasons. Right, let's have a quick little look. I, I wanted to kind of avoid the league table if I could until maybe game six, uh, because I think it's <laughs> too pointless looking at the league table until then. But because we're unbeaten and because we've uh, we've done well so far, let's have a look at the league table. There we are in seventh position. We've got one, one win and three draws. Six points, that's one one and a half points a game we've got at the moment, which would have us on fifty-seven points if we did that over the full season, which would have us probably kind of top half, lower top half. Um, but we've played we've played Brighton away, which I think everyone is now realising is a really difficult game. Uh, we've obviously played Manchester City, and we've got we've got Liverpool coming up as well this week. Any kind of thoughts on the league table? There is it too early to be looking at it, Dini.
2: A bit early to be honest but uh I'm I'm glad we're on the first page and not the second page let's say that.
0: Yeah well considering last season it took us <laughs> 15 games to win a game. Uh hopefully we hopefully we're not ever going to have to look at the the lower half of the league table this season. Anything to pick out there Bobby from the league table?
1: Oh uh, yeah we're only 3 points away from relegation so um <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah, look, it's good. Look, like, just keep playing the way we are. There's no worry. We're not looking back. You know, I think yeah. we should see ourselves in this screen at the end of the season. I've said maintain from the start with our squad and the building that needs to be done. As long as we're in this screen, i will be i take it as a very good year. Um, it doesn't matter where that is. Yeah, Brighton
0: and Leeds doing well as well. It's quite quite good to see at this stage. But we'll see what happens over the next brighten few
1: weeks. Quality, Brighton, yeah. our quality.
0: That, that draw we got there, I know that we didn't... Well, I think we played better in this game against Wolves, much better than we did against Brighton. And we all said at yeah. the time, we'll, we'll probably play better than this and lose games. Um, and we'll we'll not... Yeah, and that's... You know, we nearly lost to Wolves, but I think that we, we really escaped out of Brighton with a point, and that's that point's looking better, you know, better by the week. And it's good to get that difficult game at the Amex out of the way as well, so... Absolutely. Right. Speaking of difficult games, we'll have a little bit of a quick break and we'll be back to talk about the Liverpool game coming up uh, later in the week. So, Newcastle travel to Anfield on its Thursday morning our time. I think it's 5 o'clock in the morning, which... Yep. Uh, I might be able to get that get that one in before I drop my little girl off at daycare and go to work. <laughs> These midweek games are quite uh, quite fun at the moment. But Liverpool was looking like a pretty... It looked like, actually, we might be able to give them a bit of a good game, and they weren't in very particularly good form. Uh, they, they had draws with Fulham, and they drew at home to Palace. And then they lost to Man United. Crisis Club Man United beat them. And then Liverpool with a new Crisis Club. And then Liverpool just turned up and beat Bournemouth 9-nil on the weekend. So that's all of a sudden looking a little bit more more difficult than than it had been um looking before that. It's always hard at Anfield, and I don't think we've won there since 93 or 94 or something like that. Um but we'll have a little think about what what team we might play and how we might should approach this this game but bobby what have you kind of made of liverpool so far They they were the crisis club after the loss to man united and now they're back in the groove after that record win against bournemouth
1: yeah i think you know obviously they they were in great form losing to to man united's never never heard good, a good telltale <laughs> sign um but you know their quality they've got a quality manager even though he's a sook um they got amazing players you know although Salah was my captain in fantasy and didn't score <laughs> in a 9-0 win, so that wasn't good. But you know, look, at the end of the day, they're always going to be up there, so you knew that whatever was going to be was just a, a chapter in their season and they were always going to be good and it's going to be a hard test for us. But one that I'm looking forward to because I, mean, I watched their game against Bournemouth and Bournemouth basically had 10 men behind the ball and allowed mm. Liverpool to, to do what they did where Eddie's come out and said, You know, even against Man City, we've got to give them a threat the other way. Otherwise, it's pointless. So I think we will. And the one thing, Van Dijk is out of form. Mm. Um, Alexander-Arnold was out of form until that game. So I think their defence isn't, you know, isn't Italy circa 1994. It's, um, Mm. you know, there is gettable things, but the only query for us is their injuries. I think if we've got Mm. our full team in, it would have been a really good game.
0: Liverpool's midfield, as well, has been a little bit criticised recently, and Klopp's getting some grief for not wanting to buy a midfielder. I think he's actually come out and said he does want to buy a midfielder now. But let's have a look. This was the their lineup. I think it was pretty much the lineup against Bournemouth. I think maybe Firmino was up front with Salah out wide, but yeah. they had they had the midfield of against Man United. Actually, they had Milner in there um, and Henderson, but they had Harvey Elliott, Firmino, and Henderson. Again, you're thinking if we've got Bruno, it's a very different prospect, isn't it? Uh, as mm-hmm. well as having Joe Linton in there for us, but Liverpool are a quality quality side, you know. Um, Dimmy, what do you what do you think will be the main threats to us from Liverpool? Probably Salah and Diaz have started well as well.
2: Yeah, Dia, Diaz is an absolute gun, an absolute star. He's uh, he's probably going to be one of the next big things in in European football. He's He's going to be very difficult to stop. I think that front line is obviously world class, top of the top of the range. But that midfield is doesn't look doesn't look great on paper. Like Bobby said, if we had our full complement, we had Bruno in there with with Big Joe, I'd, I'd be even more confident going up against mm. that midfield. But but yeah, definitely their front threes is going to be all the threat that we need to worry about.
0: We had a bit of a chat about what Team Newcastle might put out. And like I said before, this this is kind of coming towards the end of this run of a lot of games, midweek games and weekend games, um, including the Cup game. And we've got a few knocks, so we we know that Wilson's still going to be out. We know we do know that Bruno's going to be out. Maxi seemed to have a bit of a problem towards the end of the Wolves game. Trippier had a bit of a problem as well during the game. Um, target's been injured earlier in the season, but we had a bit of a chat and a discussion about what we think how we think we might line up in this game uh, and who might play so i think we're pretty much we're pretty much all in agreement that if isak gets his work permit through in time i think it probably just makes sense do you think it makes sense to put him into this game instead of persevering persevering with chris Wood, even though it's a game where we might he might not see much of the ball and he, we might end up you know could end up knocking his confidence giving him a bit of a baptism of fire Bobby, what do you think about that idea?
1: No, I don't think it will. I think Eddie's going to play the same way he played against Man City and go for it. Um, well, not go for it, but give Liverpool something to think about. And we we don't give Liverpool something to think about with Chris Wood there, honestly. Mm. If we were going to go defensive, then you probably play Chris Wood. Um, Eddie doesn't like playing new signings straight away, so that's the only thing thinking that mm. he might hold back on Isak um, starting. But... If he wants to give Liverpool something to think about, which I think he will, then have an ASM with with him up front. It'll make Liverpool have a, a second thoughts about flooding all their men going forward, wouldn't it?
0: Yeah. And the the idea of Maxi as well, running into that space that Trent Alexander-Arnold leaves behind him is quite enticing as well. I think they'll, mm. have seen, they'll have seen what he did to Kyle Walker a couple of weeks ago, and they won't be relishing playing against him at all. Um the other thing that we thought maybe, I don't know if this is more in kind of hope and excitement than actual expectation, but uh, Elliot Anderson playing in midfield, uh, he he played most of his football for Bristol Rovers when he was on loan on, on coming off the left, but he seems to have played in a more central position for us, um, that kind of attacking midfield number 10 position. Demi, do you think there's a chance he might actually start the game or do you think this is just hope on our part because he played so well when he came on against Wolves?
2: You'd love to think he, he's going to start. Your you're realist in you thinks that Eddie's probably not going to be throwing him in for his first start at Anfield, but he definitely looks ready in my opinion. I think mm. even coming on off, off the bench this morning, only for 10 or 15 minutes, he demanded the ball. He looked so good on the ball, he glided. I mean, that one-two that he did with Joe Linton that almost set up that penalty or the free kick just outside the box. It was it was beautiful to see. And I really do think he's got that something extra that not no one else really in our team has, that number 10 in the pocket sort of player. We don't really have that. We have a good winger. We have Bruno, who is more of a number eight, a bit deeper. But I definitely think he's got something about him. And hopefully, hopefully Eddie just rips the bandit off and goes for it.
0: I remember when Haris Vukic started a game at Anfield. <laughs> that <was> a, <laughs> that's a blast from the past. But he kind of came, came from nowhere and he, he started a game at Anfield. So I don't know if managers sometimes think, oh, it's going to be a hard game anyway. So let's just, you know, throw caution to the wind and go for it a little bit. And Willock as well has started every game, I think, this season, including the Tranmere game. So And he might be in need of a rest, I think, as well. So we've yeah. got long We've got Longstaff in there again. Uh, it's There's no other options if Bruno's injured and Shelby's out. I don't think we're going to be signing a central midfielder before this game. Um, so I think there's a real sh- chance that Anderson might actually start the game. And I think that would be really exciting if that did happen. There is the risk it could knock his confidence if he's playing up against Liverpool at Anfield. But I think, if, I think Howe's got the kind of wherewithal to just say to them, look, just go and do your best. Don't worry if it doesn't go right. Um it's a bit of a free hit, but that's not how he'll be thinking of it. You know, he'll be thinking we can win the game, like he thinks we can attack them and we'll we'll be able to get at them. But do you think that's how it might kind of pan out, Bobby? Do you think you'll just say to them, Go and play? And Isak as well, you know, go and play. This is the Premier League. Off you go, see how it goes.
1: Yeah, I think he's a bit more methodical than that. I think he, he sort of sees things as Um, pieces of puzzles and going into different, you know, different slots and and how they can get the benefit. I think you're right. Eddie sort of wants to win and thinks we can win um, every game. And so he would try to find the pieces he has available that can counteract something that would be seen as a Liverpool weakness. And I'm with Dimi. I think Anderson's that number 10 that gets up, gets the ball, turns around and goes at you as well. So something we don't have, um, that could cause Liverpool some grief. So hopefully he does play. And yeah, you know, I don't think we're not Bournemouth. I don't think we'll get mm. pummeled. I think we've got a lot more going for us. Um we look like a new team after the preseason. So yeah, why not? Give him a go.
0: And do you think Target in as well at left back? He's a more natural left back, isn't he, than Burns? So he'll be up against Salah, probably. So it probably makes sense to get Target in there, Dimmy.
2: Yeah, I think I think he's ready to start again, Target. I think this morning you could see that ASM needed that overlap. He was he was struggling without an overlap. And I think when Target came on, it definitely did, did help our wing play. And I just think, yeah, Sal- the prospect of Salah or Diaz running at burn, it doesn't it's... seem like it's gonna be a good idea. But uh <laughs> we'll uh we'll trust in Eddie whichever way he goes, I guess.
0: And one thing I mentioned briefly before about the injuries or niggles that Trippier and Maxi had in the Wolves game—is it becoming a bit of a concern? Do you think that we're getting these kind of? We seem to be getting these muscle injuries. Wilson's got one as well. Is this yeah. a? Is this a result of the intense preseason? Um, is it? I mean, Trippier and Wilson are a little bit older as well. Is it just that? And we know that Wilson's body is not reliable. But do you think it's? It's a concern. Well, it's a concern because the backups are nowhere near the standard as well at the moment. But do you think there's something in the idea, Bobby, that this could be to do with the training and the preseason and just the intensity of the football we're now playing? The, the bodies are trying to get used to it.
1: I think there's no doubt, but I don't think that's Eddie's fault yet. It's a no-win situation. He, he inherited a team that didn't train. So mm. their bodies were – I mean, Wilson – Trippier have always had been susceptible to muscle injuries anyway. Mm. Um, and, and same with Maxi. I think he had a few last season. So their bodies are already you know, susceptible for that. But I think he had to push him. He had to push bodies to the brink because of how far back they were. So I think that we're going to see this um, where there's going to be some muscle injuries or soreness, and especially when you have a run of games that we're having at the moment, it's going to happen. So it is our depth, and this is why expectations need to be tapered a little bit into, you know, you keep saying top six or we're going to hit Europe and it's like, well, it's a long, long, this is a long season and we've got to get mm. through it. So, um, yeah, uh, you know, it is what it is. Eddie had to trade them and, you know, we're seeing at West Brom now what non-training does to your team. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's it. It gives
0: you shivers, doesn't it? Like every time I see, every time I see him or see West Brom fans on Twitter, I'm just like, oh god, <laughs> I feel for them so much. All right, we're gonna have a little chat about the the rest of the transfer window in a minute. But what about a prediction for the Liverpool game? I think it's gonna be. I think we'll give them problems. I think it won't be an easy game for them. But I think we might just go down two one. Jimmy.
2: I was actually going to say two one Liverpool as well. I think I think we can score, and I I trust our defence not to capitulate like Bournemouth did. So, just with their quality, let's say they score two, and, and we'll, we'll just go down two one.
0: Yeah, they have struggled against they struggled against Fulham and Palace and the conceded goals in those games as well. Bobby, what's your prediction for the game?
1: Um, I'm going to say three one, but it's not as negative as that sounds. I think we'll. We'll be right up there and it'll be just, you know, a goal. It'll be 2-1 and we'll be fighting. We'll be going the other way trying to get an equaliser. And they'll score. I think the quality in the front third will sing out.
0: And I think it's good as well to get these games against Man City and Liverpool. Just get them out of the way, like within the first five games. And then the fixtures after that start looking a lot kinder to us. And we know that we'll give anybody a game at St James's Park. So, all right, the... The the other big thing happening this week is that finally the transfer window, which seems to have been open forever, and is driving us crazy, is closing, slamming shut. That's what you've got to say. It's not closing; it's slamming shut at 8 a.m. Friday our time. So we'll just be arriving at work ready to ready to start work, and the the window will be slamming shut. But there's still a, there's, so there's still a few days left, and there's still a full day after the Liverpool game as well for us to try and do something. It seems from the reports today that I've seen something from Mark Douglas and from Chris Woff that we're still trying to get a right-sided attacker and still trying to get a central midfielder now, which seems to have jumped up the pecking order, jumped up the priority list with the, with Bruno's injury, even if it's just a short-term one. I think it seems to have been the case for the all summer that we've been looking for these players in these positions, we didn't know how much money we've had, we've just gone and dropped £60 on Isak now as well so that's going to make things a bit tighter financially for us but Dimi, what do you kind of hope for for the last three or four days of the transfer window Um, and how how will you feel if we don't manage to quite get sort of the quality in that that we need in these kind of two positions in the last couple of days?
2: I think we need two more bodies, I think if we can get quality bodies, obviously that's obviously ideal. I think we need another midfielder and another right winger. I think with Shelby out until Christmas probably after the World Cup and the fact that it's, you can see now Willick and Willick's basically playing every game. If Bruno goes down there's not going to be much of a rotation so I think we need another midfielder in that rotation. If if they're good enough to be a starter, More the more the merrier. I mean obviously there's talk and we bid for Madison earlier in the window. I'm not sure whether we can rekindle that in the last week. Hopefully we can. But I think we also need another quality winger. I think there's a couple of wingers at Chelsea that are begging to leave. So that seems yeah. like a deal that, that can be done. I think that would be... If we can get maybe a Pulisic and and and, and midfielder, I think that would be a, a sensational into the window.
0: We'll be bigging Seb from Tifo Football up if we get Pulisic. Because he said months ago that that would be a sensible transfer to me and Bobby. But Bobby agree with that? Do you think do you think we'll get these players? Do you think uh do you think we need them in those positions? Do you think we need to do anything else? What do you think?
1: Um I think we definitely need two more. Um as Dimi said, I think uh midfield um is very bare. Um I think you sort of you gotta put Shelby out for the the remaining half mm. of this year anyway. So we're short anyway, but you know, if Bruno goes down or Jollyton goes down then we're really stretched. So I think a centre mid is is vital, um, and as Dimi says, right winger. Uh, like I think Paulusich makes sense. Made sense when Seb said it all those <laughs>
3: those
1: months ago, it seems, or years ago. Uh, um, but yeah, I think he'd be he'd be class. So definitely those. So the other one I'd want to talk about is maybe even a, a young right back, um, an up and mm. coming right back, because I think with Craft out long term and Trippier very very susceptible to injuries, I think. It's a wait and see. I don't think Manquillo's in how I thinking. So, yeah, are, are the, if the window slams shut without making a centre midfield strike and a right winger, I'd be pretty disappointed.
3: Mm.
0: Yeah, I think we've been after kind of a young central midfielder. Sort of, we've been linked with young ones under 21, so they won't be included in the squad. But with Shelby and probably Kraft now, who are not going to be in the squad, and then you've got Lewis, who his positions unsure and Fernandez is the other one um, and one of the goalkeepers will go whether that's Dubravka to, to Man United or whether Gillespie just gets left out of the squad or if Darlo gets sold so there is space in the squad now even with Isak for a couple of over 21 players I think if we if we'll leave a couple of those players out we'll sell them so we've talked about f- financial fair play till we're blue in the face and kind of the concerns around why we're not spending and then we've just gone and spent 60 million that's probably going to be um structured over quite a long time though so hopefully that leaves a little bit of wiggle room left for us um it'll be interesting to see what happens in the last few days but i just can't wait till it's over like i remember i remember in january when i just felt so much better when it was over and i think eddie Howe (laughs) felt like that as well because you know what you're working with then and you can go with it and then it's not that long until the january window anyway you know so we can We can reassess and see how things are going. Then, anything else to say on the transfer window before we finish? Is anyone else actually looking forward to it finishing, or do you just wish it could stay open forever?
1: Uh, It's funny, you know. Like Uh, back in the day, I I used to love the transfer window. I'd be so into it and wanted to keep continuing. And I used to say, "Why is it shutting? Like, just leave it open." (laughs) But like, I'm like you, Jack. I've just had enough. Like, I think Twitter has killed the transfer window. To be honest. (laughs) All these in the in the nose that come out with, god knows what. Um It does your head in because you sort of get pushed down this rabbit hole of researching um the links, not the player, but the actual links. Is it true? Is mm. it not true? And you spend half your bloody afternoon to find out it's a made up nonsense anyway. So yeah, <laughs> yeah I just I want it to be over with. I'm done. Like get get the couple of signings in and let Eddie do his magic.
0: Yeah, Timmy. Yeah, I, I I
2: can I can say I do look forward to the deadline day a lot more now than than I used to. I think <laughs> under our previous regime, we we knew that the deadline day was going to be a quiet day. I think Keith Downey from Sky Sports, he was never at St James's Park. He was always either at at Sunderland, or at or at, uh, yeah. or at Borough. He was never thinking there was going to be a signing at Newcastle. But at least now there could be could be some activity, and hopefully, like you said, we get a couple of signings in and slam it shut, and then let's uh, move forward.
0: It would go to Keith at like 10 o'clock in the morning and he'd say, all right, I've just had word that Newcastle United are closed for business. 10 (laughs) o'clock in the morning, closed for business. Great.
1: (laughs) We never
3: opened. (laughs) We never opened,
0: yeah. All right. I think on that note, we'll leave it there. We've got a big week coming up. We've got the Liverpool game, so we'll be doing a review of that. We'll probably do something on the transfer window when it closes. And then we've got the Crystal Palace game at the weekend as well. Something else I just want to flag is that the um, Aussie-Mags meetup is happening in Sydney for the Bournemouth game. So that's happening in less than three weeks now. I know that at least three of us are going down for that. So that's going to be exciting. Um, And also, please just continue to subscribe and um, like, like us on Facebook and YouTube and Twitter and all that sort of stuff. We're enjoying doing what we're doing very much. And we will see you soon. Thanks, Timmy. Thanks, Bobby.
3: Thank
0: you, Bye for now.